Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. We went to Watford. We were rubbish. Why is he still here? I mean, seriously, why is he still here? Punt joins me to talk about why is he still here? Punt, why is he still here? <laughs> um, okay. There's the considered answer and then there's the, well, he definitely shouldn't be here anymore and we just look increasingly week on week, game on game, an ever more poorly coached side that with a man that is grasping at straws. So, yeah, so this is the let's get rid of him answer, which is, yeah, he's he's dead man walking. He's almost conceded that himself and said, look, this isn't a decision that I'm taking, you know, and, it, and this was when Stuart Webb was still at the club. It was almost like put me out of my misery. And we talked about that in the last pod. Well, Sunderland, he he seemed to expect the knock on the door after the Sunderland game. As he absolutely should have done. But just the nonsense that's coming out of his mouth now in terms of like excuses. I'd I'd seen quite recently that in his post-match last night, he almost seemed to put down the capitulation to the players being really shocked because Huang got injured. Yeah, he like, wang, he wanged a hammy. Yeah, like, the idea, like it's like if it was a triple leg break or yeah, like yeah. you know some sort of Christian Eriksen situation, then yeah, you get a pass for that. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Like yeah. You know, so you know, increasingly he's just looking for weirder and weirder excuses because there is nothing else apart from introspection. And if he does that, then the only conclusion can be, well, my coaching isn't working, or my coaching staff aren't aren't impressing upon this team the messages because. He was saying, you know, this group is good enough. We feel like we should be contending for for promotion or at least be in the in the conversation for that. So that's that. Yeah, of course, like he should go and the club just just need to make that decision. But let's let's, let's get, drill down into let's drill down into the actual why, though, like why, why he hasn't gone. Yeah. Is that what you're, you're asking? Yeah, why do you think like to try and to try and be as clinical as we can? So this where, is what I was coming the, on to. Yeah, where are the benefits? So I think Ben Napper wants to come in and take a proper, considered look at the football club from top to bottom to understand it, to understand the, the current coaching regime, to maybe understand what the the issues are in a in a forensic way before he then maybe goes and writes it. Like he's so into data, he will know that all of the trends just indicate that we haven't been anywhere near good enough. The fact that he comes out and the football that he describes um, in his first club interview is, you know, kind of attacking front foot, controlling things, like none of the things that he's seeing in front of him. He 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 probably has already come to the conclusion that Wagner is not his man. But does it, I, I, this is always the, you know, we've had these discussions when we've been talking about Daniel Farker, Dean Smith at the end of his tenure, and now we're having it about David Wagner. You know, I don't think an excuse for not firing a manager is, well, there's no one else or we don't know who the next one is. I think, you know, you may as well just just get on with it. But I think that's probably where the club are, is that they know that this is this is going to end and it's going to end soon. Um, it might end at Portman Road for all we know, which is, is going to be, you know, laughable really if it if it drags on that long. But I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to understand exactly what the issues and the problems are and what needs fixing, because then he's going to need to take a, an informed view as to what the ne- next head coach looks like. And when he or she comes in, 
that's going to be part of the briefing. That's going to be part of the interview process. He's going to want to get assurances that that person can take the club forward in a way that will address those concerns. Now, so I get the logic of that, but at the same time, he could kind of do that through fact finding. He could kind of do that through speaking to to senior staff in the club. If he if he got rid of the head coach, you know, all of the staff that remain, he could have conversations with them, with the playing staff. So I I don't like this inertia. I don't think it's particularly helpful for anyone. And I think the fact that the fan base are almost completely disengaged now does not help Napa, and he needs to to get people on board pretty quickly. So I watched, I rewatched the um, Napa video last night because having watched, um, watched sounds like I was sort of engaged in it. Having had the, the the game of football on the screen in front of me in the same room that I was in, I just sort of, I wanted to go back to that interview again and just go, what was it he asked for again? You know, in, in you know, mm. with, with a really recent Norwich performance, and I use that word very loosely, um, so I pick up on that specific point. You know, you want to control the ball. From the 12th minute, it was 71% possession, <laughs> 71 to 29 from, from basically the second goal onwards. I mean, you almost have to, like, try and give the ball away. And I, I, I raised this with Wagner earlier in the season. Um, last night was the Nadir, the absolute perfect pinnacle of... Um, we Wagner's setup from restarts involves the wingers being on the halfway line and they are not allowed to come towards the fullbacks. That's clearly not allowed because it is every single restart. So clearly that is a thing. O'Neill stands on one wing and either Johnny Rowe or unfortunately recently Fasnacht, who's really out of form, stands on the other wing. I think I'd then, rather have Fastnacht than Onel. Let's let's just be very clear about that at the yeah, minute. Well, last night it was Onel and, and Fastnacht. Yeah. Um, and uh, the ball comes out into one of the centre backs. More often than not, it will go to Gibson or Bart because they're they're happier receiving the ball than Duffy. And both uh, mm-hmm. Long and Gunn seem to be more comfortable going left than right to to either Gibson or Danny Bart. So great. Which means it tends to end up with Dimmy. Dimmy then will invariably try and beat the defend the, the midfielder that's closing him down or the front man that's trying to close him down, which will either just about work uh, and mean he has to play an under-pressure pass himself up to O'Neill, or he will do well and create enough space by dropping his shoulder or something to then kind of bend the ball up the line to O'Neill. O'Neill then tries to kind of drop a shoulder or flick the ball around the corner or, or try something, or try and outmuscle the fullback up his ass to try and um, kind of shield the ball and then hope that he can play into Sarah or play into to McLean. This happens every single restart. It happens about 17 to 25 times a game, right? And it so invariably fails and we give the ball away. And I cannot understand how any coach of any ability from under sevens Saturday up to you know, division three Sunday clogger level, like any coach that sees that over the course of what August to nearly the start of December looks at that and goes, we're rubbish at playing out from goal kicks because it keeps not working. Now, once in 20, O'Neill spins his man 
and manages to bundle past and then an attack comes from it. But and, and every now and again, the ball goes out to Stacey and Stacey tends to progress the play slightly more effectively than Yanoulis. But still, it's not that, that off. I cannot understand this, this, this demented idea that we have to stick with these wingers right on the very, very halfway line because that's our shape and that's how we play. And even when Dimmy's in trouble or Stacey's in trouble, that they don't come to their age. It's like, well, no, I've been coached. I have to stand on the halfway line. And we are so rigid in our, in the way that we play. And that, so when you look at last night and you look at how badly we looked after the ball, you look how badly we were at creating chances. We, we were just locking the ball long again and again and again and again. And every now and again, Saren locks the ball long for something like the, the Hoang goal on Saturday. And it looks great. Every now and again, Kenny plays a really nice long ball but even the two of them last night, they started to look less like... Because when those two play long passes, they look like long passes because they both got great ability with long passes. Last, it, it, last night was the first time that... Um, so I thought Sara was poor on um, Saturday. Um, but I thought that... Uh, and, and Kenny was slightly better. Last night was the first time in the Wagner era putting Plymouth aside where everyone had a brain fart, where both of our two lads in the middle both looked like they were just like, oh, there's no options. There's no one around me. I'm just going to tonk this. Like they, they looked like they broke, he's broken both. And I know Gabby got two assists, you know, in terms of like stats, but it, it, we all know what a good Gabby Sara game is. And we're, it's almost like you've even broken Gabby now. Like even Sara isn't playing to his ability even though he he's so good that even in this team, he's still leading, like leading the four divisions in assists. That's how good he is. There's, there's, it's him or nothing. And then you go, you look back, you'd like, obviously there was the, the bonkers, um, after match post-match, um, uh, interview. He also mentioned he bought Gibbs on, you know, cause he's good at turning or something. And it's like, right. Okay. But you've got Nunes and you've got, um, other options that you turn to later. O- O'Neill plays so many minutes, and, you know, it's great that he went to Argos once and I, I'm over the moon that he's got a Norwich City tattoo. And yes, he does seem to really get the club. And he, yeah, fantastic. I'm glad he's got 30 subs on his YouTube page. Great. He's a great person to have in a championship squad. You know, absolutely brilliant. But, but, like, is, but he, is he But anymore? he's a great... Yeah, he, he's a great for, bloke. But he'll be, he'll be a brilliant club ambassador. But you tell me what he has done over the last two seasons... Apart no, last, from, no, last last two seasons he had no two seasons is too far. Like he, but, but, la- but last apart fifteen from minutes, influencers and and you know, kind of having his own YouTube channel and you know all the rest of no, it. No, no, no. La- last done, on the pitch, no, the that's enemy. not true. No, that's not that's not quite true. I think there's he is he is in a bad run of form and he is not good enough to routinely start games in the championship. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Right. He is. I do think that he is definitely good enough to be a fringy 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there player, start a couple of games every now and again because of um, resting players and we're playing a team we're expected to win. I do think he has got that ability in the championship, definitely, because we have seen 75 to 90 minute cameos from him where we're, we might be a goal up and it's got a bit stayed and he comes on and he gets everyone on his feet and, he, and his end product is invariably shit. His energy is brilliant. His energy is absolutely brilliant. It is. And he is very strong. And every now and again, he does like, he does do slightly odd things, which you wouldn't expect people to do. And that, that can help when a game has sort of, you've played the first 65 minutes and we've sort of got to stalemate. So you want to change things. I do think that is good. The the problem is when you're relying on him for 90 minutes and I know Bojeta's not out because he's dropped something on his foot. You know, what a season this is for things like that. You know, 
it's um you know, like they say it was it was a private like <laughs> it was a private uh incident not at the training ground as if to say we're not stupid enough to let players drop things on their feet at, at, <laughs> at Colney. Everything at Colney is soft, so if we drop it on their feet, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. You know. Anyway, it, it, it does seem like a donut, doesn't he? to bless him. But if is there a is decision after decision, comment after comment, that we are now experiencing? I think what happens when you go past the point where uh, they really should have gone a couple of weeks ago. We're now at the point where this guy should have gone a couple of months ago. I'm almost now intrigued to see how bizarre are the team selections, how bizarre are the comments coming. If do you think there's any chance that Napa has said we're going to give him, we're going to try and grit our teeth and give him until Sergeant is back? Oh God, you'd hope not, wouldn't you? Because Sergeant isn't going to be the silver bullet that fixes this. There's there's absolutely zero chance that Sergeant comes in and, and then suddenly we look like a, you know, I know we've said it in this podcast before that you know maybe. I think you were probably of a view that, well, all right, we'll look like a top five side again. We've gone too far beyond that now. I could see the logic in that argument, you know, when you were making it. But right now, our, our team are so bereft of confidence. Yeah, that is and, actually. And that that is a real massive problem. I I, I think, as I say, I, th- I hope the logic with Napper is just right. I need to take a properly good look at this before I make my call. And this, we know how the club operates. This is... Ben Napper's call. This isn't a board decision. This is absolutely, we trust you um, to come in and to run the sporting side of this football club. So this is your decision and your decision alone and, and pretty much whatever he takes to the board to be ratified, as Stuart Webber did before him, they will back him. Because actually, that's that's a positive, I think. That's de- a definite positive of our board, that they will allow the people that they employ to be football experts to use their football expertise to run a football club. Brilliant. Um, but he cannot dither with this. There's absolutely no way that he can carry on. And if this, you know, if we are without a new head coach for Ipswich, I mean, you know, look, I know they've had a, an iffy result recently, but they will hammer us. They will absolutely hammer us. This is Watford that we were playing last night. That Did they look like a good side? Absolutely not. Did they look like they had a little bit of individual quality? Yes. But I mean, I'd seen Watford fans before the game, you know, pretty much slating Jamal Lewis and saying, you know, this isn't who we thought we signed. He was brilliant last night. He made us look absolutely daft for probably 75 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. We are in the, in, in the realms of, you know, this is even the only managerial sacking that I can think that has been more protracted than this would have been Nigel Worthington. And I think the only reason that it went on so long with Nigel Worthington is he had so much credit in the bank from a playoff final and, you know, a championship winning campaign that he just got way longer than anybody thought he should have done. But Wagner now is is getting into that territory where, you know, do we need Danny Bart to rugby tackle someone in front of the Barkley before, you know, this becomes, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't got the words anymore to describe how the club aren't seriously contemplating getting rid of him. They must be. They, they, well, they must, must be. They, they must be because otherwise they would. There wouldn't have been comments sort of showing the support. I mean, again, rewatching that Napa thing last night, um, straight after the game. The um, he mentioned. You know, I've already had positive conversation with with David. He mentioned that three or four times. 
in a way that brings me confidence that the fact he felt he had to labor how positive his conversations were was like I'm deflecting the fact that I'm not about to sack him suggests that if he feels that it's so obvious that he should be sacking him that he needs to keep telling us he's not going to because he's had positive conversations then maybe in his head it's more about timing optics who's available you know mm. will the stars align in our backup plan you know there's a couple of rumors about maybe people in the backroom staff being interested in, in roles elsewhere but there's, there's like in terms of him being really into his analysis and his data you know NC, ncfc numbers obviously does a phenomenal job and at the moment it's i mean this is like man from heaven for NCFC numbers. So, you know, between Norwich City's second goal in the 12th minute and the end of the first half, the Canaries had 22% possession and completed a total of 44 passes in 37 minutes, roughly one every 50 seconds. I mean, one pass a minute, you know, is unreal. And then Connor this morning, um, a little while ago, um, that they had uh, uh, 21 shots to hour two um between minutes uh 28 and 81 so kind of between you know between the uh our second goal and their third 20 they had 21 shot 21 shots of which by the way the xg um adds up if you add them two together to 0.1 so like it's not even <laughs> like we had two clear-cut chances or they yeah, yeah. off the line like Ida and gabby between them managed to muster a, a one in t- 10 chance of scoring between yeah. them if you add them up like you know, and I'm not an XG dickhead, but you know what I mean? Like it's, if he's a stats guy, if he's a numbers nerd, if he, if he's old school, like he talked about, um, you know, um, he says he's a football purist. I mean, I, I rang, um, so both my, uh, I'm in a situation at the moment where I'm having to relay um, kind of match reports to elderly people I used to go to football with. Um, and I spoke to both of them on the walk back to the car and then the drive home on Saturday um, and I said to both of them, yes, we won, uh, but we were absolutely dreadful, you know, and they both sort of laughed. And I said, no, really, we were dreadful. I mean, that is mm. Saturday's game was up there with the worst Norwich have played and uh, and won. Now, it was a great it was a great ball from Gabby. It was a really good finish from Huang, like really clinical. Right. Fantastic. There was a little bit of huff and puff here and there. But generally, if it wasn't for QPR's utter incompetence, didn't they score four last night? Which I know, I'd be yeah. worried about. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah. And if you're Stoke you've, and you've seen that and you've done your kind of homework, I mean, it's a completely different QPR side that must have turned up. Probably not in personnel because the coach was quite happy with the way in which they played. But even then, they still conjured up, I think it might have been Lyndon Dykes that, that had a header that flashed wide and then they had the chance at the end where, I mean, how he's not hitting the target and, and you know, and testing long, I don't know. And that, look, let's be frank, based on last night, if you test long, you've probably got a fair chance of it going in, you know, or at least one being really, spilled somewhere. One thing that really annoyed me about um, the the game and actually, uh, <laughs> uh, so I had the opportunity to go. I was I was planning on going last night and then I had a, work, a late work meeting go in with their, uh, with someone in Australia who's, who's, who's hours and hours and hours ahead. So therefore I said, yeah, okay, I, I, I don't mind doing it. Um, and, and, and it meant I didn't go. So I watched, watched um, the majority of the game on television and their winning goal. It really annoyed me how the commentators said uh, that is incredible thinking. There's no one else. There's very few players in the championship that would think to have those amazing quick feet. No, no. What happened was 
Long threw himself at the player and committed so over dramatically. It's like I'm going to spread myself so wide, and he committed to it so quickly that in honestly, I am proper clogger level at football. I would have done exactly what the Watford player, because in real time, as he did it, I thought he's going to trap that and then just roll it in. He did more with his feet than he needed to. You could have yeah. just trapped it, waited for long to whiz past him on whatever kind of, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I, haven't, I, just have, I haven't got the words. Anyway, so I watched it on telly. Got annoyed by that. Got quite annoyed. I got quite shouty and sweary. I've been quite, you know, I feel quite broken by how bad, you know, my, my love for Norwich, as, you, as yours have, has taken a real test this season. And But last night I was angry with just how poor good players are because I see a lot of the the, the, the tweets and the social media uh, gump around Weber should hang his head in shame and, you know, we're supposed to bring um, experience um, and, you know, this squad is awful and, you know, these players are awful and this lineup's a disgrace. Look, I honestly do still think that having seen what I've seen, having seen the likes of Watford, the likes of QPR, the like, you know, the fact that a team that can play as badly as QPR can beat a team like Stoke for it with four or whatever. There's a lot of dross in this league. If we have a fully fit squad or a nearly fully fit squad, this is easily a good enough team to be challenging in the top eight. I, I have no doubt about that because I've seen it with my own eyes through the course of this season in patches. And the idea of coaching is to find those patches and go, right, what worked? Let's recreate those opportunities for Johnny to shine. Let's recreate those opportunities for Nunes to be magic or for Gabby to be on the ball far further forward up the pitch. Let's play him more as a 10. Let's be dynamic and try. Let's try. If Gibbs is brilliant at turning, let's bring Gibbs in alongside McLean. Um, let's bring Gibbs in alongside McLean um, so that we can push Gabby further forward or you know, try different things. And he doesn't do it. So actually last night I got quite shouty and sweary at the telly and started shouting at our players, which is obviously ridiculous because they're in Watford and I'm in my house, to the extent that uh, my wife, bless her, said, oh, I'm really sorry, Norwich, being so rubbish this season. And Joey does not care about football in the slightest, not, just <laughs> does not care, but appreciates that for better or worse, it is something that affects my mood. And generally, I don't get like that. I tend to just be very happy after a win. And if we lose, it hurts for a bit, but I'm normally fine by the time I get home. But I've just got to the point where I just think, Gabby is not someone who should be banging long balls forward. I'm McLean's biggest fan. He is playing shit long balls forward. We've got um, Stacey and Yanoulis, who are really, really, really good second flight fullbacks. I know this. I've seen them do it at this level and be brilliant. You know, you've got fantastic players here and they're playing shit. And that's cannot... It, you get... you. Everyone has dips in form. Sometimes you get unlucky and you have several players having a dip at form at once. The thing that makes me so angry about him still being still being here is um, that confidence you mentioned around Sergeant coming back and Rowe coming back and it all being better. You're completely right. The, the, the problem is the, the players that are that need to be playing eight out of ten, nine out of ten in order for them to be some of the better players in this division. I currently have the confidence that they can only give a performance of four or five because they're scared to play progressively. They're scared to play through the lines and they end up resorting to long balls. And that's what he has done. He he hasn't given them the options. He hasn't coached them in a way that gives them the confidence to play in that way. And like the, the post-match um, um, uh, discussion on Saturday after we won, he, he said all of a sudden, well, actually, we've talked about the fact that we might not need to be so entertaining, um, you know, 
let's have it right. The only reason we won on Saturday was because QPR couldn't finish their dinner. Like we we sat back and we, we, it's not like we nullified them and we totally controlled the ball and you know we didn't take risks. We took loads of risks. They didn't take them. Fed up, mate. Absolutely fed up. Why is he still here? <laughs> you got the title of your podcast, mate. Um, I'm not so sure about the point you're making that our players are fantastic, and I so and I will back that up with I think we have some fantastic players. I think we have a massively unbalanced team or squad that we can't really get into a cohesive starting eleven, and, and I think that's. That's been the problem for quite some time, but actually the summer's recruitment just seemed to me, like the, the summer's recruitment said to me, why the fuck have we got a recruitment team? Because you've signed a goalkeeper on the new goalkeeper coaches saying, say so, oh, he's quite good, go and get him. Oh, turns out he's bollocks. We've got Ashley Barnes who signed because he's a good lad. You know, we've got Shane Duffy who signed because he's a good lad. You've got Huang who signed because we're desperate. And actually, let's go back to that as well in terms of the no dickheads tests. We've now got two lads playing up front, one of which is a convicted drink driver, another one of which is an alleged sexual predator, or at least, you know, kind of is a little bit iffy with his camera phone. Like, there's, I just a, big gap. Don't... there's a big gap between predator and iffy with your camera yeah, phone. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he's somewhere I, in the middle. I don't but... really want to put my name to that. <laughs> and I said alleged, you know, I have no idea. Mm-hmm the truth of that matter okay. but actually Norwich knew both of these things when they signed those footballers Norwich aren't really doing their due diligence anymore and we're signing lads that you know are pretty much exclusively you know with the exception of Boyer Science over the age of 30 or getting very close to 30 like you know there was stats going going around at the weekend that the QPR lineup was the the oldest Norwich City lineup in terms of average age that that we'd put out forever maybe which is, mm, 20, is 29 and a half or something yeah. bonkers yeah well I, I think it's actually over 30 i think if you look at the average it? and you add the months into it so rather than just going oh he's 29 he's 30 if you said he's 30 and a half and he's you know 29 and a half actually it takes you to an over an average age of of 30 years old this was according to ncfc numbers on on the excellent on the ball oh, question yeah exactly exactly um but it just it, it strikes fear into me that they're the one thing that Norwich City had throughout all of this, when things were going tits up under Farker, is felt like we had a plan. Even under Dean Smith, I could kind of go, all right, you've pivoted. You've pivoted to a style of football that, to me, is completely unpalatable. But I kind of know why you did it, and I know why you've been reaching for this. I just don't know what the plan is anymore. And that's where I want Ben Napper to... Have a look at this football club. He, you know, he has had an opportunity to have a look at it now, and he's been looking from the outside in for some time as well since he's known that he's got this job. I, I just want him to grab it and to give us a plan again and to communicate that. And I think that might be something that comes up at this week's AGM quite heavily. Well, it's, well, it's got to. What's, so, what's the plan? And Atanasio's spite, there. You'd have thought well, yeah. Napa will be at the top table. That there will be serious questions asked to them, even though it isn't the media offering that scrutiny actually there are some shareholders are they there banned again this year? yeah I, I no idea to be fair but you know even if they're not they're, they're not going to be there to 
ask questions, are they? It's going to be the, the shareholders that will be doing that. And it won't be questions about the sausage rolls. And actually, when can we have, you know, I don't know, the drum back or whatever it might be. It will be serious questions that will be asked to the upper echelons of, of the management team or the board at this football club. And they have got some convincing to do because I, I don't No one knows what the plan is anymore. And, and that has actually stemmed back, I think, you know, quite a long way to the football club's failure to communicate properly with supporters. And so we we don't know what's going on anymore. And that was throughout everything that was good. And even the stuff that preceded what was good under Daniel Farker, we were spoken to like adults. We were part of the conversation. You know, it felt like, you know, Stuart Webber said it himself. Sometimes you might not like the decisions that we take, but we'll tell you why. I've got no idea why they're making half of these decisions now. You know, I, I and, and that's see, really poor. I, they can say, yeah, well, there's a fans know. forum and Neil Adams said we're going to tinker around the edges. I mean, that as well worries me. It just It just feels that there's a real air of hopelessness around the situation as it stands and it needs someone to grab it and to drive it. And that man can be Ben Napper and no one else as far as I'm concerned. And a, and a new manager. I mean, I, I think... Um, yes, yeah. I, I think the... <laughs> Uh, you know, after whatever, 15 minutes last night, we were, um, as results stood, we were four points off the playoffs. So as, you know, we've still got a huge chunk of the season left. Um, and obviously now we are six points or seven points off, off the playoffs. But, you know, we therefore you think, well, the way things come, ebb and flow, we could easily be within two results of the playoffs again within a couple of weeks. You know, of, of us like no, catching up. Don't do that again, mate. Let's not do that again. This no, no, season, no. Um, it's toast in it. No, it's not. It isn't. And this is the point. When it comes to who you're going to bring in to replace, when you look at the, when you look at, it's really easy to be reactionist, and it's really easy to 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 get into a negative spiral. But when you look at our squad versus the other squads in the championship, when you look at the facilities at Colney, when you look at the infrastructure from a data analysis point of view. When you look at the fact that if you were able to get a new manager bounce and win four in six, you're going to be a couple of results out of the playoffs at worst. It means that actually it isn't, we're not on a slag heap at the bottom of league two trying to get a manager. You know, we, we genuinely do have, if you, we do have some parts that with Napa saying, look, I'm a new broom and things are going to be different. And this is my vision. I do think that we are an attractive offering as a club to a manager who is looking to, you know, like like a Farker, where he was in his career, who is looking to put down roots for three or four years and, and go but on a bit I of a journey. I agree with that. And, yeah. and I do, and I think if they're told that as long as their football resembles the plan that is being broadcast, they've got a year and a half, if you know what I mean. You know, basically, yeah, yeah, that's where I there's think there's no this way is they done. can, there's no way you, yeah, I know you think that, but statistically and from a points point of view, it, it isn't. Like, we're not even, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Anything's it, it possible. Just, just, we could go and win our twenty-eight remaining games, or however many, yeah, and then the win the league. We, but, but we don't even no. But the point is, with this league, we don't need we don't need to be in championship form to get in the playoffs. We don't like because the fact that we have been as shit as we have been, with results as bad as we have been, and for a big port, you know, for a, for a third of last night's game, we were you know, a win and a draw off the playoffs. And then, and then I think, um, went hold to the lead or something. We, we went slightly down, but the point is we were within two results of the playoffs, right? Now I know there's teams in between it, but, the, but the, when, when there are so many months of the season left and you're only three results away, you make, you haven't even got to make up one result a month 
at, the, at that point, there, any man, no, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's <laughs> likely to happen. I'm just saying if you are a manager who has got the self-belief that you can get a lot out of a team because otherwise you're not a manager, if you're a coach who thinks that they can get the best out of players, there are so many jobs that are less attractive than the Norwich job that are going to come up as available throughout the championship because of because of the facilities, because of the squad. And yes, they are aging. Yes, they are unbalanced. But when on their day, when they are being coached well, when at the start of the season we saw them playing with confidence, maybe because they were unbeaten through preseason or whatever, um, you can you can make an argument for that for there being injuries allowing a really strong match day squad that you can cobble together and feel like if you had them playing your way as the new manager who believes in themselves, there's no reason you can't make up one result per month between now and the end of the season and finish sixth, which is all you've got to do to get into the results. And also, if you've got from Napa and the board, look, it's a, we think it's a long shot to turn this around because we also want you to really invest in, you might take the two months to get the way that we want to play reprogrammed into these players, right? So this season, we're going to say to everyone, we're still gunning for the playoffs. However, between us and you, if we show progress and we show progression and we finish ninth, that's okay. You're not oh, yeah. going to, you, you know, we, we accept that. It, we'd all be happy with that as supporters. A hundred percent. But, but the, because the point is it, the likelihood is as long as they change Wagner and as long as they don't get an absolute, another shed load of injuries in the new year, it's probably going to be similar to last year in that until only three or four games left of the season, it will be mathematically possible, even though just like last year, we decided it wasn't going to happen way before it was mathematically impossible because you, you you could just tell. But the point is, it's likely to be that because this season, the league has already shown itself to have a couple of strong teams, a couple of teams who are normally strong but can have absolute off days. Um, and then effectively everyone else is an absolute clown car. So, you know, I think what I want to get to is that corner flag graphic, um, a sit down with Napa who says, this is what we're looking for in the new search. And then... A, a time to just take stock and just say, look, we're going to give it everything to go up this season. However, the most important thing is two, three months of progressively seeing a team that's coming together and taking a new shape. Let's take some listener questions. We've got lots of them today. It feels like, well, okay, I will start with our good friend, Matthew McGregor. Hello, Matthew. Because he puts it in a, in a way which isn't so... Essentially, I'll put it out there. We've had quite a lot of questions which are pointing fingers at the ownership um, and not necessarily ones that are sentiments that I'd agree with. And we can maybe get into those if we want. But he starts off saying, given everyone knows they're queuing down Carrow Road to buy us, which extremely rich billionaire <laughs> would you pick to magically solve our problems? And then someone comes back to him with, I'm going to start courting Elon Musk on, on Twitter slash X slash whatever you want to call it. But it kind of cuts to the quick of it is that as a club, we've chosen and, you know, and that has been a conscious choice, you know, that that has been communicated to us, at least we have chosen the Atanasios and there seems to be a three year plan. Although if you listen to to different sides of this, it might be quicker than three years, I guess that, you know, the Atanasios will look at taking over the football club pretty much in full um fairly soon over the next few seasons but they're not going to divert from the kind of self-sufficient 
efficient business model that infrastructure first yeah we we have which look let's be frank you know everyone can go oh it's delia's fault or it's delia and michael's fault or oh the board should have sacked him or the board should do x or sack the board or you know all of those kinds of things but if we rewind three years is it three years however long it is since you know we just we'd won the league covid times an absolute canter as far as i'm concerned we were probably in rude financial health. Like, you know, absolutely, we paid off our debts. We'd got promoted to the Premier League again. You know, everything was going to be brilliant forever and ever, as Jez from Peep Show might say. Um, at that point, we were held up as the absolute example to every other football club in English football as this is what you should be aspiring to, unless you have a Saudi Arabia or whoever behind you, you know, this is the way that you should, you should do things. And Stuart Weber is the best thing since sliced bread. And, you know, look, it turns out that Daniel Farker was probably the best thing since sliced bread. And, and maybe, you know, Stuart Weber was doing lots of good things, but might've been doing some bad things as well. Um, we must have financially been in a really good position at that point. Like, I don't think anyone's denying that. Now, what has transpired since is a massively, chaotic and poor decision making process which has led to us spending 52 grand average 52 grand a week average salary like last time we were in the premier league it's led to us waxing 10 million pounds on greek imports that you know have you know we all thought were going to be brilliant on the face of things because we all love like a, a sexy foreign signing but at the same time like had no pedigree in any kind of you know kind of top top 5 league in in the world or in in europe you know we'd signed the likes of milo rashica who clearly didn't fit and didn't really want to be here josh Sargent, who wasn't ready for the premier league you know we spent big money and then you know billy gilmore and ozanka back like lots of high profile players that we have just thrown so much money at in terms of the wage bill that i just think this isn't around the fact that, oh, look, we haven't got enough money. Like Norwich have spent more money than so many clubs that are our counterparts and have underperformed compared to them over the last two or three years. This isn't about money. This is about getting back to operating a football club in the way that a football club should be operated and spending the, the finite money that we have in a really clever way. And we did that for a little bit and then we stopped doing it and it's why it's all gone to shit. And I know it's not as binary as that, but that's where it comes back to for me. Where it feels like from a binary point of view is Weber and Farker between them and between their networks and maybe with a bit of analysis and a bit of coaching for people like Emmy, um, did it exactly the right way, got lucky with people like Steeperman and Vrancic and people mm -hmm. like that who, who were probably two out of 10 chances of working and, and ended up working. Um, and and they managed, they basically bought themselves the opportunity to do um, to establish themselves. And and as Weber has said, and I, and I just supported him at the time of saying it, it we were spending new money. We were nouveau riche in a way. Like we were spending new money that we just acquired, and we probably needed all but one. We could maybe have afforded one. We needed almost every transfer to work when we all, when we afforded ourselves that money in order to get new money after it from having two, three years in the Premier League. And then we could afford to like settle down and not have to go spend big all the time. But but you know, effectively we'd be could be more confident that more money was coming in to replace it. And I feel like what happened was that those two men and the team around them created an opportunity at the club and those two men 
and we'll never probably find out exactly who had more say over which transfer, although the assumption is it's more Weber, um, they they fucked it. You know, we basically created an opportunity to become a Premier League club um, to, to match our veg garden and our infrastructure, and we just signed the wrong lads. And um, because of it, you know, that, that we, we, are, we are where we are, I'm ready to go on another journey um, and start again with, with someone else. I, 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 I think we... If they get the coaching appointment right, I still think we're starting from a better position playing squad than Farker started with because Farker had a right old... Like, we think back now on some of the players that Farker ended up winning the league with more fondly because of where, where what they went on to. Farker basically had Madison and a kid called Max Ahrens and, and 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 like a bunch of kind of misfits that we weren't very enamored with like it was felt very end of cycle like we'd gone through a bit of a wilderness time and like they went on to do brilliant things but at the time we were like don't like this squad much and Madison's going to go and I feel like there is more for a potential you know we know Rowe can be brilliant we know Sargent can be brilliant I personally think Barnes has been a really good signing we've been really unfortunate with the injuries and I think he is the best of him is brought out by Sargent who is let's have it right so much better than either I, I I hate getting on the younger players backs that either contract extension seems utterly baffling to me like every well, time I see it, him play I just think five years based on what yeah. Like three, I've never seen him score a good goal. I've never seen him score a good goal. I've seen him. I don't know. I don't think that's fair at all. I think. I I think in his first, in his first hat trick for Norwich, I think he scored a couple of good goals. I don't. don't, He can't. Oh come on! That was five years ago. He can't. You can't say you've never seen him score a good goal, and then I give you two examples. Okay. I mean, I mean, in his, I mean, in his fully fledged, we expect you to be a grown up striker now. Like he's scoring goals for Ireland. Um. Yeah. He he can't run past. He doesn't run past people. He doesn't hold the ball up, you know. He doesn't get the ball I think in the confi- He's a confidence player, so that I can't remember which game know. it was that he came on and influenced. And then there's a game that he started quite recently at home, and I thought he was he was really really good and probably for me pushed for for man of the match. I want him. But, I want him. But, but I want Wagner's him to be great. coming out, homegrown one, or, or rather, come yeah. through the academy, or young player. I'd much rather him be vital to our team than Barnes, or to be honest, Sergeant. But, but Wagner's not having so him. far below but those two. He's. Right now, yeah, you're probably right. But I think we've killed him in terms of, you know, and I've, I've said this so many times on this podcast, you know, we've killed him in terms of his development and his pathways. I think Wagner is killing him a little bit in terms of just not injecting any confidence into the lad. The lad himself says he's a confidence player and sometimes he has to almost get in-game confidence. So there's something, there's a player in him to unlock that I just don't, th- I just don't think we're doing, we're doing particularly wisely. A question that I'd like to ask you, this isn't from a listener, but just I think it's an interesting one to debate. January, Premier League club comes in and tempts us with 20 million quid for Gabby Sara or 17 million quid for Jonathan Rowe. What do you do? I think you probably have to take it because of the finances of the club. I, yeah. I don't see this. I don't think you can, I don't think you can risk a dip in form, like you, you, you risk a Cantwell situation where we could have got big money for him. And a lot of that was COVID related that it, it never actually materialized. It was a slow market when he's probably, you know, when he had performed really well in, in Premier League games. Um, 
so yeah i mean it would be such a shame because whoever the new manager is as i've as i've said you know in the last few minutes if you've got if you've got gabby and you've got sarah and you've got sorry you've got gabby sarah and you've got um johnny Rowe and you've got sergeant um you know you've got some pieces to work with there you know you, you take one of those out we've seen what it's like when one of those three isn't playing mm. <laughs> it's rough so but I, I cannot see how you look at the finances we are in such a hole i cannot yeah. see how we can turn it down because one of them could break their leg one of them could take a dip in form we could get relegated all, all sorts of things could happen and all of a sudden we end up getting you know you know a a, a a penny in the pound for him in, in another 18 months time. We, we sold really high with the Murphys. We sold really high on Jamal Lewis. You know, sometimes the first big window where they are playing at their best they've ever played. I mean, it might be the ceiling, you know, Johnny Rowe might never be this good again. You know, I hope, I hope he plays for Norwich for 10 years and <coughs> takes us into the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, that's, that's the difference. You either have a Murphy situation or you have a Campbell situation where we didn't that, sell high and then we regretted it. And that's where I think Stuart Webber was absolutely brilliant in terms of extracting value from players and knowing what well, Molly Watkins, one million, million pounds. pounds, you know, <laughs> what the fuck? But, but, you know, again, you know, he, he did with the exception probably of Max and Todd, he picked the right times oh, to he, sell I, players. I, I and think he tried to sell, value. I think he tried to sell Todd. I, yeah. And also I, I don't, I, I, come on, Max, that, I think Max, that was a good deal. You know, because Stacey's yeah, no, no, a really good. no, at the time, good... but I, but I think that there were there were probably offers in for him before that we could have taken. Um, the Todd stuff. Well, no, clearly Todd. You know, he's off to Bayern Munich apparently, according to Todd, wasn't he? But yeah, that, mm-hmm. I'm sure that happened. Should we have another mm-hmm. question? Yes, please. Um, Chris Lacey, um, and I think this gets to the point around Hi, renewals. How long is too long watching the club stagnant while paying five hundred pounds a year for the pleasure? And I, I wish guess mine was what, only 500. <laughs> five hundred. He says five hundred pounds plus, but I guess that you know, look, I think the cheapest adult season ticket is what about five fifty at the moment. Um, if you look at some of the notes from a recent supporters panel meeting, their club seemed to be floating. Uh, oh, so what if we um, put a percentile increase on that? I think the discussion was about three percent. So all right, look, fifteen quid, not not well, probably seventeen quid, something along those lines. It's not loads of money. It's probably £1.50 a month on your direct debit if that's how you choose to pay. But again, it's the optics around Norwich are already the most expensive season ticket in the league by a fair stretch, I think, as I understand it. you know. And are we getting, as supporters, are we getting value for money in terms of the product on the pitch? You, you can argue quite legitimately not really at the moment. you know. So I think it might be... I think people would wear it, but I can see why other people would be reticent to renew and i think this might be one of those seasons that you might see a couple of thousand season ticket holders just drop off because you look around carrow road at the moment and there are lots of empty seats aren't there i'll tell you what's a lot better than watford though i mean that was i mean that is yeah. embarrassing it is embarrassing <laughs> yeah, yeah. how i mean i know they haven't been going particularly well but you know again it's another thing that i think makes us an attractive club to manage or to be involved in is us mugs, you know, it's 25,000. I know we have to take that with a slight pinch of salt, but looking around, it didn't look that much less than 25,000 on Saturday. It was, you know, 
yeah, okay, we, we, we won just before international break, but we, it wasn't exactly like we were all expecting to, to steamroll a QPR. Most people turned up and there were still shouts of we want Wagner out even after they won. So the point is... Is there really? It, I didn't hear any of those. Yeah, yeah, no, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't loud, but there was some. Okay. Uh, it was it, because uh, uh, the Archant lads picked up it. I mean, they sit over near the snake pit, don't they? So, okay, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, effectively, it is... It, there is a fantastic fan base and there is, but everyone's got their limit. There's only so far. And we know from our ages, we supported the club during the you know, post-Europe days when, you know, there was plenty of empty seats mm-hmm. because it was very difficult to get up past the kind of 16, 17,000 mark, even for the bigger games, because we'd had years in a row of watching bad football and not expecting to really go up or, you know, whatever. So it is, um, once you lose them, once they get out of the muscle memory of I do this on a Saturday and then I meet these boys in a pub and then I go here and whatever and or you know once once that becomes once you get the hang of having Saturdays back <laughs> home Saturdays back you might like it and you might go do you know yeah. what actually so I don't know I I I I would expect there to be a price increase um, and I would expect there to be a backlash and I'd expect that there's probably enough people that still want to get a ticket that they will sell out despite it. But I think you're right that there'll probably be one or 2000 changeover to one or two. Yeah, I, don't, two I don't know if there will be over. enough on the waiting list this time. I wonder whether we will sell our, our quota of season tickets. Um, yeah. Right. Next up this, I mean, this is probably tongue firmly in cheek and directed at you, Mr. Parsley, but it's from Adam Brandon who says, Hi Adam, is it time to give Kenny McLean a new contract? His leadership has really shone through another difficult period. Well, I think that from in terms of if you're going to rate players and performances this season, he's not going to be outside the top five cumulatively. I mean, in terms of how often he's played and in terms of the number of mistakes he has made that directly lead to goals, the, the, the number of chances he's created by progressing the play and how little good football there's been in the bad run. It's been him or Gabby that have been mostly, you know, since the likes of Stacey dropped right off, you know, Stacey started the season brilliantly and he's not created very much at all bombing down the wing anymore. In my, in my opinion, watching the games in person. Do you think that there's something in like, so and I, I kind of get the point of Adam's question. I, well, I think the point of his question might be, do you think there's something in, he is the captain. He is the one that actually on the pitch should be accountable. And I don't, I think maybe, appointing someone like Kenny McLean as skipper is hanging him out to dry a little bit because the Kenny McLean of four or five years ago was, you know, in a, in a silly hat on city hall, you know, kind of absolutely off his face. He was the joker in the pack. He wasn't (laughs) the responsible captain type. Now he may have matured into that and he may be in the dressing room, but he, he never really strikes me as captain material. He maybe strikes me as, one of the, I don't know what Dean Smith named it, like the senior leadership group or whatever. He's he doesn't seem to me to be the one to I think to it's to rally do, I think the it's to do with longevity though. I think I think he he will be more mature than he was, but this but do you think he's the kind of guy who will cajole or rally the troops or do something? I don't know. Lads, we need to get hold of this because he doesn't strike me as that type. Grant Hanley strikes me as that type. Yeah, but he's injured. Do we have yeah, well, yes, maybe. Oh yeah, he's injured again, isn't he? Um, 
but again, you know, that probably, you know, is Ashley Barnes that type? Obviously, you wouldn't give him the armband. Yeah, but he's brand new. Stage. Yeah. And, and you still haven't forgiven him for a mistake he made in his past. So, you know, I don't know. Really... I'm not like, you know, do I say, have I forgiven him? Like, that's none of my business. But do I think that well, actually, have, the, have the club done their due diligence in terms of signing a player? I would hope so. But then when you sign two strikers where there are clearly very black marks, on at least one of their records and an alleged black mark on the other lad's record that we knew about. Yeah. And, you know, with Ashley Barnes, he has no resale value, so we are signing him purely for his leadership. That, Look, to me, I, I just th- raises concern. Barnes, personally, I think Ashley Barnes has made us better as a squad than, than if we didn't have him. And I don't know how much we're paying him. But, but yeah, I don't think Adam's question was specifically about being captain, though. It was about giving him a new contract. Um, and depending Should on we give him a new contract? Depends on his demands. We, He's only just had one. Um, I don't think. I don't think unless he's uh, unless a team comes in for him, I would imagine that he would be similar to a Johnny Housen figure. Who, if the team still want him, he will continue just plugging away and won't won't go over the top in terms of wanting it. I, I, I I'll have do Johnny not... Housen back, please. Instead yeah, I, of Kenny. I, I, if we could swap I, him, that'd be lovely. I do not. Th- I do not think Kenny is. I wouldn't have made him captain, but I completely understand why he's captain because I really don't think you could look at there's so many new faces the more the yeah, more senior that. people that are more captain like were the newer faces mm-hmm. you know who's he going to give it to that was here before I mean so I kind of get that and and likewise um maybe he gives it maybe he could have given it to Gunn but then again Gunn's then injured so it would have ended up at Kenny I mean maybe he could have given it to Gibson captains. I'm not a big Gibson's, fan of that yeah. you know Gibson's you know not been bright, brilliant um, Gibson's been made to like so often happens Gibson's been made to look brilliant by what's come in to replace him um, the <laughs> but no I, I mean it's a it's a bar but me and it's a bar but Kenny but I f- fundamentally in person at Carroll Road watching the games and watching the way that he moves watching the way he receives the ball and progresses the ball how often he's available whether or not he receives the ball or not how often he's available for the ball how often he bails out people who have played themselves into a cul-de-sac i think if you're going to do a player of the season listings now there's no way he'd win it but he also i don't think you could put more than five players ahead of him in terms yeah. of how often has he been the reason that we've been bad how often has he been the reason we've conceded bad goals how often has he been below a 6 out of 10 I'd I'd take I'd I'd take your point in that regard. I just think actually he's all right. Like he's never gonna yeah, he's never gonna be like he's, he's just fine. He's all right. Yeah, but he is fine. And but the the question is almost getting at the fact that do you give someone who's just fine another contract? Well, yeah, because if he's just fine almost every single week, that is a very very I'm tidy not, thing to sure have in midfield. I'm not sure he's all, almost every single week anymore. I think I think his performances are more inconsistent. I think he's more oh, wasteful in possession, and I think that he's. He's very his range of passing can be very good, and some of his diagonal balls, especially because he's left footer and he's he's bringing Jack Stacey into play, so obviously it lends itself to you know the angle. Well, go on, so let's, the let's do the exercise. I think they're really good. So, so name, name me a midfielder apart from Gabby, who's obviously player of the season. Um, only you know Row will push him for it. Um, n- name me another p- person who's played anywhere near the same percentage of games that Kenny has. But, that, I'm, that, but there that is, but there consistent. purely aren't. He, there, there purely isn't. There purely isn't there. So what this you're saying, we a... don't give anyone another contract. We sack them all. I'm saying, I think Kenny best, is at an age. I, I think Kenny I think is Kenny's at an the age. best of a bad job sort yeah. of situation. But that, but that, but that it more speaks of the failure to recruit properly. You know, and, yeah. and I think that's that's the thing is, like if Kenny is the best of a bad bunch or, you know, the second best of a bad bunch. Yeah. 
They, well, they needed they needed to strengthen. You you either give you either give Gibbs like we said earlier. You either give Gibbs a bit of a go and see if you find a shape that can help yeah. them. But it, Kenny and Kenny and Gabby work really well in certain types of games, and they are the games where we're on top, and they are the games when we have the ball all the time. They work really well like that. In games like last night, where Watford are dominating possession and on top of us, they they are not able between the two of them to coordinate a. Um, either a press from the middle or coordinate a solid defence in front of the back four. Yeah. The amount of time there's just loads of space in front of the back four and it's because neither of them, that's neither of their games. We're, we're not just asking one person to play slightly out of position. We're asking two players to play positions that's not really the way they play. And that's the problem. And I think that comes back to, yes, we have got some good players, but we're not deploying them in a system that suits them and the squad slash starting 11 is massively unbalanced. Uh, that's that is a failure at the club. It's probably a failure of Wagner to to coach them in a way that has meaningfully improved them. And I think if we continue the way we are, we will continue to fail. That probably come seems on. like quite a lovely, happy, jovial point to end it, doesn't it? Yeah, come on then. Let's uh, let's do a prediction for for our, our game on Saturday. Um, oh fuck! Oh Sunday. Sorry. At least we get an extra yeah. day's relief. It's Bristol City, isn't it, on Sunday? Yeah. Um, so can I have a guaranteed uh, score prediction and a guaranteed score? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to lose. Sorry, I think we're going to lose three-one. Um, I think we, I think it's going to be three-nil, and then we'll get a late consolation. And I think the um, the person that will score that will be Christian Fasnacht from distance. I was with you until the distance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the recruitment point, actually, uh, they raised on the commentary last night that he played with David Wagner at Young Boys. And so it sort of goes back to that whole thing. It's just like, do we just sign people that we know? Like, you know, do we just get yeah. in the manager that we that's, got him at Huddersfield? That's, do that's we the just... thing. Like, what, what yeah. have our recruitment team actually done, probably apart from Boyar Science, in terms of identifying talent this summer? Who like, can't, all right, we signed a load of young lads. Who can't get a kick? Like, I don't know how bad he must be in between games. But, you know, likewise, I don't know how often Ida's hitting the target at Colney. But every, every every time I've seen him in tiny little bursts, like Craven Cottage um, in the cup, and even he did a really nice step over last night. Like he yeah, nearly scored, didn't he? Tested the keeper. Yeah, yeah had a shot on target. But, yeah. but before that, he created an opportunity by doing like a little step over that, you know, our game had been completely devoid of anything doing anything like as imaginative as that. Um, I think the thing is, if, if our... Why has he not been played? Yeah, and this is this is so we've come back to it, right? And and I, actually, I think it does feel a little bit Dean Smith era now, in so much as if anything's going to happen, it's going to be because of a moment of individual quality, usually from from Gabby Sarah. Yeah, Boyasance is one of those lay lads who's got that individual quality in his boots. So you know, if if it if it is that anyway, look, I'm preaching to the converted. Let's play him. Okay, um, my my guarantee on Sunday is. Um, a, we can't keep getting teams on an off day because we had Watford on a bit of an off day and then they woke up and we didn't. Um, so I think maybe Sunday we, we actually get a team who isn't on an off day at all and it's a 4-0 loss and we finally get the corner flag uh, for that Sunday, at Sunday tea, tea time. And then you coach. Manning is a Norwich fan as well, so he's going to have him bang up for this. We are riding... We, we have been riding on a wave of, of playing team. Like we've had, we've had three teams that have not 
played very well against us, not taking their chances. You know, but look at the stats that we talked about earlier in this pod. We could have we could easily have lost eight two last night, and it wouldn't have flattered Watford. Like they completely ripped us apart. Even after not doing anything for a third of the game, they then started, and then they were just shooting on sight, and we were just giving the ball back to them constantly. If if Bristol City are well up for it from the start, and and you know, I mean, I can't even think what's going to happen in the meantime in, from the Norwich camp. I can't see anything other than a four nil dismal defeat, and the only plus side of that is maybe we finally get the corner flag. Well. There you go. I'll, Do you think I'll there's any chance he bit. goes before Bristol City? <clears throat> no. None at all. Why is he still here? I know, mate. Mind, there you go. <laughs>